we hear all this encouraging news that things are coming, but it's not even that happy because I don't see it. It's like the fires, the sirens are in the distance. The fire trucks are coming. I'm fighting this burning fire in this building that I'm locked inside and can't get out, I'm trying to get everyone out before it collapses. And I think I hear the sirens, but I don't see any hoses being taken out. You know, I don't see actual things happening. Medicine remix. remix. Whenever you put the clamps down and shut things down, you do it for two reasons. You do it to prevent the further spread, as we call mitigation, but you also do it to buy yourself time to get better prepared for what might be a rebound. This is a very um, relentless disease. It grabs you and then you sort of get better and then it comes back and then you sort of get better and then it comes back. 683 lives lost in Italy today alone. Doctors and nurses, they're on the forefront of it. Welcome to Inside the Hospital, a medicine remix series that focuses on healthcare workers on the front line of the current pandemic pandemic and gaining insight from their unique perspectives. Today is Sunday, March 29th, and this past week, the U.S. became the world leader in number of COVID-19 infections, surpassing China. Meanwhile, meme makers continue to work around the clock. Presidential candidates are still trying to figure out how to work their webcams in an effort to campaign virtually. And Cardi B continues to sound like a very effective car alarm. Coronavirus! Coronavirus! I'm telling you, this is real! In all seriousness, it's been 18 days since the World Health Organization declared coronavirus a global pandemic. And this crisis continues to slam the economy as this past week we saw a record 3.3 million Americans file for unemployment benefits. New Jersey is asking medical experts on a bioethics panel to set guidelines for which COVID-19 patients will get ventilators, which would be used literally to inform decisions that could determine who lives and who dies. Meanwhile, as New York remains the center of the outbreak with the most cases, New Orleans, Detroit, Philly, and my hometown, Chicago, are also seeing a surge in cases. President Trump recently signed a $2 trillion stimulus bill that includes relief for distressed industries, small businesses, expands unemployment benefits, and will send Americans making under $75,000 a one-time payment of $1,200. Trump has also ordered General Motors to make ventilators under the Defense Production Act, which is a statute that can force certain American companies to produce materials that are in short supply in the face of a growing outbreak like what we're experiencing now. The Army Corps of Engineers is working on converting Chicago's McCormick Place Convention Center into a makeshift hospital for around 3,000 coronavirus patients. The goal date for finishing up that project is set at April 24th. This past week on Monday morning and again on Friday afternoon, I checked in with Dr. Calvin Sun, a traveling emergency room physician in New York City who has been working tirelessly on the front line of our current pandemic by both treating COVID-19 patients in the ED and also by playing a significant role in the media by ringing the alarm about the dire shortages of PPE, or personal protective equipment. In today's episode, you'll be hearing my conversations with Calvin. I asked him to tell me about his perspective on the current state of care in New York's overcrowded emergency rooms. We've had Calvin on the show before to talk about his grassroots travel organization, Monsoon Diaries. And so you'll hear me ask him to compare the scene inside the emergency rooms that he works in today with his impressions of emergency care in the other countries he's worked in. I checked in with him on Monday to see how he was doing. Calvin, I wanted to start off by thanking you for setting aside this 
increasingly valuable time, it seems, to uh, talk to us about your experience in the front line and, and all that you're going through. So thanks for that. Of course. Uh, so I know you said you're coming off of, what is it, shift number 15 of the last 17 days? I lost count. I mean, <laughs> this point, who the f it doesn't matter at this point. Can I curse on this show? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course, man. Right. We encourage it, actually. <laughs> the fuck do I know at this point? I've lost count. Uh, I flew back from Jeez. leading a trip in Angola March 7th at 6 p.m. And then I went to work on March 8th, 7 a.m. the next morning. Okay. And I think I've been like, working every day since. I think I only took Jeez. like one or two days off. Wow. And so how are you holding up, man? Um, I am exhausted. Yeah. But mentally and emotionally, I feel okay because as long as I get eight to nine hours of sleep every night uh -huh. in a 24-hour period, uh, I recharge pretty quickly. Okay. I can't say the same for my colleagues who I think are even more overwhelmed than I am. Uh, they are full-time. I mean, in fact, most doctors I know are full-time and I'm in a lucky position to be per diem. So every day I'm in a different emergency room. So I get to have that variety of experiences and it kind of prevents me from burning out as quickly uh, and it's also like my choice to go in like being per diem is every shift i choose to go in i can choose to say no but given that autonomy also grants me that perspective of you know this is something that i signed up for rather than feeling like you're being thrown into the fire without any time to breathe like most of my colleagues who are full-time uh, I've chosen to come in 15 and the 17 days, and I'm grateful for that opportunity to cover for fallen colleagues who have called out sick because of this virus. But it's, you know, for them being forced to go in when they need more time to recharge can be pretty daunting. So yeah, I bet. Uh, I'm also in a unique position of having had this kind of experience before in different facets of mass casualty, disaster medicine, and uh, running like you know the medical response in the new york city marathon every year like five thousand patients in six hours uh or five hours or whatever it is and um critical care in haiti uh where we do exchange of education between doctors and you know different cultures and nationalities there uh so that gives me a special place to uh be able to handle this with prior experience and being used to it but uh it is still pretty overwhelming not really the present, but it's present is really bad, but also seeing what the future is gonna look like. Calvin went on to work a few more shifts during the week and his name was also buzzing on social media as several interviews that he had done with major news outlets started dropping. He went on Fox News, as well as Today Explained, and talked about struggles with obtaining PPE. The situation on the ground is that we were already running out of supplies even before this pandemic was even on our radar. So we were just not getting enough equipment to begin with in any of our hospital systems. And when this pandemic hit, it was like running naked into a Category 5 hurricane. And we're just doing our best to get as much as possible what we already are being supplied while trying to raise the alarm bells and trying to uh, make sure we don't have nothing by next week. We're supposed to be switching out N95 masks per patient. However, there are so few N95 masks or just masks in general that we have to use one single mask over the course of many days. I've worn the same N95 mask for about five days before I was able to get a donation from my friends just recently. 
and a face shield that was meant to be disposable, this plastic flimsy face shield that I got a week and a half ago, I still have. The paint's wearing off on the front. Then he went back on Fox and talked a bit about how backed up things are and how long people were waiting to be triaged. EMS stretchers waited five hours outside the emergency room just to get triaged. So imagine calling 911, expecting to see a doctor immediately, only to wait in line outside in the dark at 30, 40 degree weather, waiting to be triaged, where you can still be sent to the waiting room or wait in the emergency room where you still have to wait for a provider, uh, for anyone to see you. That is the reality. It's so full. Every single hospital I've worked in is full. I reconnected with Calvin again on Friday and I asked him how the scene had changed. How are you doing this week? Uh, same old. Yeah. Oh, it just gets worse and worse. Yeah, I've been following you along on your uh, Instagram story, man. It sounds like a crazy, crazy time to be in the ED right now. Um, you worked last night? Yes, I did. Okay. How would you say this week compared to your the week prior? It's gotten worse, slowly okay. and slowly and slowly, just worse and worse. Okay. <laughs> what do you think the biggest challenges are right now in the emergency rooms? Is it the pace, the communication? Is it still the lack of personal protective equipment? I think that's like, has just been buried so far down in like things we've just probably given up on because so many people are just dying. So we're just like, fuck it. We'll just need to fight this war with whatever we got. Yeah. And so, so what is your current PPE looking like? Are you still getting everything you need or are you using any makeup? Well, I'm getting donations. I'm, I'm getting donations now. Good. But that's me. I can't say the same of other doctors who don't have donations. Right. And for our listeners who are in New York and want to donate, um, how do you suggest they go about doing that? I would say the safest thing is to find someone you know that's personally working on the front lines, healthcare worker, and just give it to them to distribute because there's just so many middlemen the other way. And, you know, I, I've been hearing reports of administrators locking them up and rationing them out. So it's not even safe to even drop it off at the hospital. That's what I've been hearing. So, um, okay. And just to be safe, just give it to someone you trust personally. Yeah. How are your care teams doing um, when you're showing up to these different emergency departments on each shift and working with new nurses, new MAs, new supporting staff? Um, how do you continue to effectively be the quarterback at a time like this and make sure that what needs to get done actually gets done? I mean, I have a pretty good first impression with my team. It's kind of nice to have a attending walk-in handing out free N95s. Now, uh, it sets the yeah. pace. I, set a, I always make sure I set a pace and I start a shift, especially when I'm beginning the day. Uh, so I'm lucky in that my team already knows me and knows how I work. So uh, especially with the marathon, a lot of people do know of my style in New York City, okay. uh, New York City area. And since yeah. I've worked in many different emergency rooms, people just you know talk about how I am. So when I walk in, people just kind of hit the ground running with me. So I'm lucky in that regard. As of this morning, or at least the day that this interview is being done, the U.S. now leads the world in COVID-19 infections. I want to zoom out for just a moment and ask you how your work during a time like this uh, here in the home ground in New York uh, compares to some of the mission trips you've been on or some of the work you've done overseas. It's different. So the overseas have different challenges and different problems, but I lose the... the Bottom line was I wasn't even concerned about protecting myself in those places. Here it's ironic that 
in New York City, in my home base, I'm worried about protective, personal protective equipment. In other places, we were well protected. They, you know, made sure we were taken care of, and they knew that we were a valuable resource to, you know, help in their fight against whatever they were dealing with. And that, you know, you can't take care of others unless you take care of yourself. Right. And you know, it's a different culture as well. And then, you know, people weren't scared when we traveled. I mean, people were nervous, but not really scared because we were, you know, felt protected. But here, we are, you know, I have staff that are scared because they don't know who's supporting them really you know i think it's also an expectation i think you go internationally you don't really know what to expect yeah here your expectation is a little higher because it's your home base and you're being left with the reality that it's not living up to your expectations okay with emergency room crowding becoming a widespread problem in hospitals across the United States, I wanted to ask you who you think should still be coming into the ED to seek care. Same thing as it was two, one, two weeks ago, five months ago, ten, 10 months ago. Any time you go to the emergency room if you have a limb or life-threatening emergency, that has not changed. Right? You don't come to the emergency room for medication refills. You don't come right. to the emergency room because you can't sleep or because you want a sandwich or because you know you don't know who right. else to call, or it's it's cold outside. Like right. by doing so, we we'll be happy to take care of you. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong, we'll mm-hmm. take care of you. But you are overburdening uh, already collapsing healthcare system that is not sustainable by right. coming for those things. And especially in the pandemic, if you do so, right. you know you're destroying us. You're just killing other people. Yeah, and so you know, speaking about the other emergencies, uh, I'm just curious myself. How does your board look right now? Is it mostly upper respiratory, you know, symptoms that are coming yeah. in? it's RIT? all some variation of respiratory symptoms. People would even like say that they have respiratory symptoms, and when I see them, they actually really uh, want to work note. Man, Calvin, I want to switch gears for just a moment and ask you if you've had any good news come to you recently. Any positive thoughts or a silver lining in all this? Wow, what a long pause. I don't know. <laughs> Whether it's I mean, donations or, you know... Oh, yeah, was... donations are good. No, I am okay. very grateful that I have a lot of supportive friends and a great network. Um, but the reason why I didn't recall that is even as a positive thought is that why do I live in a world where I need to depend now yeah. on donations for something that should be basic protection supplied by my hospitals and my government? Yeah. trying to ask us to fight this war. So, I mean, yes, it is a happy thought that I'm grateful for my friends for donating all this stuff. Yeah. But it's, it's a kind of a bittersweet feeling because it's so sad that they need to put their lives on the line, going outside and putting their money down when they shouldn't to pay for something that my higher-ups should be covering. Yeah. It's, it's just very sobering. So I don't know. I mean, happy thoughts recently. Um, we hear all this encouraging news that things are coming, but it's not even that happy because I don't see it. It's like the fires, the sirens are in the distance. The fire trucks are coming. I'm fighting this burning fire in this building that I'm locked inside and can't get out. I'm trying to get everyone out before it collapses. And I think I hear the sirens, but I don't see any hoses being taken out. You know, I don't see actual things happening. They say that all these masks are here or all these ventilators yeah. are on. Yesterday, last night, up until two in the morning, we were like having respiratory therapists saying, I don't see these ventilators. We're down to like, you know, single digits left, you know, where the leftovers, I guess, if other hospitals are getting these. And my N95s, I bought a bag of like 200 N95s, they're all gone. When I came back looking for my bag, <laughs> the bag was gone. I mean, it was a Cinderella plastic bag, but I was like, man, what a, somebody threw out the bag and it was all gone. Oh. The only thing left was like the three ply uh, mask that I brought that I guess not a lot of people wanted. Wow. 
has to be frustrating for sure. Any last words for those at home listening and, and the lawmakers that have the potential to help change the course of what's going on? If you're listening right now and the pandemic is still going on, whether it has hit your area or not, stay the fuck home. Just stay home. Just don't don't take a chance. Any minute you go outside to do something, I, I know it's important to get some fresh air and do some exercising, but if you can help it, once you catch it, you're going to get sick. You're going to spread it to other people. You're increasing the chance of other people getting sick. And it all starts with you. And other people get sick to the point that it was, happens to be an older person or someone with medical problems, or you just happen to be the unlucky one that doesn't have anything and you're young and get sick. You come to the emergency room when you didn't have to because you went outside. You come to the emergency room and we have to take care of you in a way that's in a point that we can't take care of you because so many other people got exposed. I don't want you to be in that position where you have to wrestle with the dilemma of whether you should stay in the hospital where you can get medical care and support, have people looking after you with oxygen and you know with the support you needed, but then you're exposed to so many other sick patients with COVID-19, co-infecting you, increasing your viral load exposure, and thus increasing your risk of mortality and death. The dilemma between choosing that or going home where you are in a clean environment, mm-hmm. self-quarantine, no other patients are there to cough on you, reinfect you, or you know catch other nosocomial uh, hospital infections uh, but then you're alone without medical staff and support mm-hmm. I mean that's the dilemma we have to face with every minute and at the point because we don't really know and this disease is still new that decision is going to go be left up to you and you can prevent all of that by staying the fuck home if you have no symptoms or if you have mild symptoms not going outside staying the fuck home so you don't give it to other people if you have mild yeah. symptoms as long as you're not dying, as long as you're walking, talking, not short of breath, you don't need to come to the hospital. And for my lawmakers out there, just listen to the experts fighting on fighting this. All right, don't get out of your lane and say that you know better than all of us who are in the trenches fighting this. I know it's important to have a big picture point of view and to direct the economy and you have other things on your plate, but the economy will not pick up. Our country will not survive this or go back to where it was before or become better if they cannot control this pandemic. You're building a house of cards, right? You're trying to build an economy based on a shaky foundation where a medical healthcare system has is about to collapse. And if you don't control this pandemic, how can you run a country and a successful economy with a collapsed healthcare system and half your healthcare workers sick on ventilators or on life support because you didn't adequately take care of them? Yeah. Very well said. All right, Calvin. Thanks for your time this week. Thanks for all that you do. Enjoy the rest of your day off and uh, good luck on your next shift. Thank you. Take care, care. Calvin has taken his first 24-hour break in over 20 days and will be heading back to the front line this week. While making this episode, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has issued emergency authorization for a new coronavirus test that delivers positive results in as little as five minutes and negative results in 13. The creator of these tests, Abbott Laboratories, just announced that it'll start delivering 50,000 tests per day starting next week. It would be one of the fastest tests available for COVID-19, and it comes just a week after the FDA approved another 45-minute rapid point-of-care test. With all this positive news starting to slowly surface, it's important to stay hopeful but prepared. Major key alert! As a quick reminder, remember the things that normally promote a healthy immune system, like getting 8 to 10 hours of sleep, 
eating healthy and exercising as they all help in preventing you from getting sick. And if you're a smoker, here's yet another reason to quit. Smoking destroys the little hair-like fibers inside our noses called cilia, which is a part of our first line of defense against infection. Also, continue to keep social distancing in mind. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Mary. Uh, listen, uh, <laughs> I've decided I can't kiss hello anymore. I'm sorry, it's nothing personal. It just makes me a little uncomfortable and I can't do it. I'm sorry. Uh, hi, Jerry. Hey, Louise, I was just telling Mary how I'm not gonna be doing the kiss hello thing anymore. I'm sorry, I just can't do it. It's nothing personal. It's just that I'm not really able to do it. And, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and if you're about to cough, then hit him with the dab. Cough in your elbow. One of the simplest ways to cut down on the spread of germs is to use something called the vampire cough. Did, did you say vampire? Oh, no. It's just that if a vampire had to cough, he would do it like this. <coughs> uh-huh, right. And ruin their cloaks. Do you have any idea how expensive wool is in Transylvania? Because of the euro. Also, make sure you smile and laugh as much as possible. Seriously, these things reduce stress hormones like cortisol in your body and... Increased cortisol in our bodies suppress our immune system. So, although laughter might not always be the best medicine, the it's best. definitely a medicine. And it's both free and organic. Yay, yay. Medicine Remix fam, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Inside the Hospital, and I appreciate you tuning in. To the healthcare professionals and really anyone on the front line that's probably either getting off of a shift or getting ready for their next, Cheer. thank you for all that you do. Stay safe, stay inside, and keep it locked. I'm KT, and you're staying in with Medicine Remix. All that I'm wishing for my friends. Nobody makes it from my ends. I had to bust up the silence. You know you gotta stay by me. Soon as you see the text, reply me. I don't wanna spend time fighting. We got no time, and that's why I need a one dance. Got a Hennessy in my head. One more time before I go. I have powers taking a hold on me. I need a one dance, got a Hennessy in my hand. One more time before I go, I have powers taking a hold.